Hey everyone, my name is Judy. And my name is Rachel, and you're listening to American Asian Girl, a podcast where we girl chat about the intersection of our Asian identities and girlhoods. Last Wednesday, Michelle Zahner came to Northwestern University to speak about her memoir, Crying in H Mart. We both went to the keynote, and I like to hear some of your thoughts, Rachel. I thought it was really interesting that she was so vulnerable with the crowd.、Mm-hmm. I mean, the memoir itself is really like vulnerable, especially because it deals with topics like like healing, death of a loved one, identity, a lot of like complex feelings just surrounding that whole combination.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was pretty cool, and she was really natural. I feel yeah, like, speaking. Yeah. I was surprised because I think she definitely had a balance between talking about very deep and emotional topics, but she was also pretty light about it and like threw in some jokes. Have you read the book? Yeah, yeah.、Okay. I I read it because of the one. It was one book, but I know I have some friends who just like picked it up or like they had read it before. I knew about it before, and I had been wanting to read it, but I was kind of putting it off because I was almost kind of scared to read it. I'd heard a lot of good things, and I think also because I'm Korean, I was kind of、mm-hmm. scared. Like, oh, what am I getting myself into? But I really did enjoy it, and there's just so many topics that a lot of Asian Americans can relate to. And、mm-hmm. because the memoir is her coming of age story, yeah, I just saw a lot of myself in yeah, parts of yeah, the book. Yeah, for sure. We can probably move on to some of the more specific topics, kind of reflecting some of the themes that Zonor had mentioned in her keynote. So the first one is how food relates to your cultural identity. So, I mean, for you, Rachel, what were some of your like childhood favorite foods? I did grow up in America.、Mm-hmm. I grew up in New York, and then I moved to Korea. So, like when I was like a child, I really liked pasta.、Mm. But after moving to Korea and like eating Korean food more frequently and stuff, I think I definitely have more of a fondness for it.、Um, so I really like like kimchi based dishes. I think I cherished a lot of these more cultural ethnic foods as I grew up. I think I started to value a lot more, especially when I came to college and then went back home,、um, and then having my mom cook. Every Sunday, she would make a whole bunch of balls, which are steamed buns,、um, and she would pretty much bring it for her lunch at work and also for my sister. Things like that. I think I started to value it a lot more now that I've gone to college、mm-hmm. and I don't have really a- too much access to homemade foods. I really do kind of resonate with that though because it's it's just been like a big transition. For my, you know, palate, yeah, but also,、yeah. I guess I kind of took it for granted because, like, not all Asian Americans eat cultural、mm-hmm. dishes like every single day. I also want to bring up how food can connect you with, like, your parents because your parents are the people who introduce ethnic foods, cultural foods into your sort of childhood. So, yeah, like for you, if it was your, like, mom who mainly cooked or dad who mainly cooked,、um, how did that sort of relationship? Strengthen or like not through food? Do you think? Um. So I think my mom mainly cooks, and it's like stuff that she learned from her mom, and her mom learned、mm-hmm. from you know like her grandmother. Like you know, Michelle Zahner was talking about how, like her mom, 
um, used to cook for her, and after she passed away, like she started cooking to like you know connect more with her mother. Even if I didn't always feel like Korean when I was living in America, like eating that food and like bringing it to school sometimes, like it just gave me something to hold on to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just like the absence of a person there, like forces you kind of to connect with through the food in that way. So, um, how do you feel about how like more Asian foods are becoming more mainstream? I think. The issue with that, and I think with a lot of things that are um, just naturally, just when things become more mainstream, you lose out on the more sort of like the nuance, the nuances, and kind of the history and the meaning that this food actually does bring to a lot of people. Right, and then we start to sort of simplify that yeah. in ways where, oh, like the Asian American community is sort of represented by like boba or sushi or. Like ramen, ramen yeah, yeah, things like that. It was interesting because there's like nothing inherently like Asian about a food or like a drink, but Asian Americans like really, I feel like embraced having their role in like mm-hmm. mainstream culture. I'm pretty sure a lot of people, I mean technically most people, did not grow up with boba as a cultural sort of food, but instead they kind of built it for themselves because yeah. they identify with like Asian American or they want to feel like a part of something that's representing them even if like boba itself like a Taiwanese drink was not something that was part of their childhood or anything like that Mm -hmm. which is very interesting yeah (laughs) yeah and so one of the other big topics that Zonara talked about in her memoir and keynote was kind of how she was trying to find a sense of belonging in two different places that she didn't feel like she fully belonged to the either so in Korea and America and I think in her keynote she had pretty much summed up the idea that she instead of trying to find a place of belonging in this sort of binary two binary um, countries um, she had created a space for herself and where she could feel comfortable in through like her like her music her um book memoir her fans and things like that so kind of bridging off of that topic um i was wondering rachel if like how do you view yourself um between these sort of two homes in a way like korea and america in america maybe it's because i was so young but i never really like wondered or questioned my identity like too much but when I moved to Korea, I felt like I just became aware of like how American mm. I was. And part of that was because I couldn't fully speak the language. But now I feel like I've reconnected with my Korean side more mm. because of the move. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I was born and raised in the United States. Um I mean, I visited China sometimes with my f- family, like not nearly as often as a lot of my friends, uh, my other like Chinese American friends, um, and I think all in all, in terms of belonging and and in these two different countries, I definitely feel like I belong more so in America. But there's of course like there's a lot of other issues as like a minority and being Asian and all that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like my relationship to yeah, the homeland. I am pretty. I feel pretty removed from it, just because. Yeah, I don't really speak. 
the language. And so that's why I feel like mm-hmm. removed in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever felt like you weren't like quote unquote like Asian enough? In the context of America? Or? Yeah. Yeah, uh, in America. Okay. Because I grew up in the Bay Area and right. everyone around me was Asian. I came from, you know, or predominantly Chinese or Indian um, sort of immigrant families. Yeah. I never ever thought about the Asian or American side until I had went, I transferred to um, like a private Jewish school. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time where I was in the minority. Right. And then I think that emphasis of being Asian was really like amplified in my own head. But I don't think I really thought about me being Asian enough unless I, yeah, I had mentioned before, just like comparing myself to other Chinese Americans who maybe can speak the language better or just like have good relationship with their relatives. But I I just always consider myself pretty average among other Asian Americans in terms of how well I can speak the language and how close I am with my relatives. Mm. I'm just average, so... Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting because even though you grew up in America, like, because your surrounding, like, community was, like, predominantly Asian that you, like, don't yeah. really, yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't have to, like, think about that. And I think the flip side of that is if you've ever felt like you've been able to create a space for yourself where it's, like, outside of these binaries. Like, are there any spaces where you feel like you feel comfortable, like, you feel a sense of belonging outside of these binaries? With trying to feel and see where I belong on this campus um i joined an acapella group so that's oh. pretty fun but Which also one? i i joined troublemakers <gasps> but that is the east asian one so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah because i was saying like i think the flip side of this is finding asian american spaces people yeah. who are similar to you and that they also have to struggle between balancing yeah working their way through different identities cultural identities i i definitely see the hobbies like through your hobbies, you can feel just, like, being yourself without having to think about, yeah, the cultural aspects, and especially if you feel more comfortable around other people like you, like other Asian Americans, I think that also take the stress away from feeling out of place all the time, for sure. This concludes our first episode of American Girl. I'm Judy. I'm Rachel. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.